Hello. Hello. And welcome to Spill the Milk. I am Morgan. I'm Hannah. And this is episode 29. Yeah. I agree. Um, This is Bonnie and Clyde, part two. Part two. Coming to you live from Hannah's house. Well, Morgan's not here, but. Yeah. No, I'm actually (laughs) in my apartment closet still. I have not become any better at figuring out where I should record. I I have an update. I set up my home office. It, it probably sounds a little echoey in here because it's like there's furniture, but it's all like hard furniture, like desk. Yeah. My Bouncing Peloton's around. in here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know. Oh. Up space. <laughs> That's exciting though. Whoops. At least no. Uh, I'm very excited. I feel like such a big kid with like my big fancy desk and like it does look do nice. You, when you're adulting, do you like feel like you're playing an adult, like you're a kid pretending to be an adult? You know, I never thought that I was an adult. That's the problem, and that's why you get the Morgan you get most of the time. <laughs> I I honestly feel like a child. That's like. Yeah. Oh, this is really fun. I like pretending to be grown up. I, like, can't think of a time where I became, like, this, I'm an adult now. Like, my dad tells me all the time, he's like, or my mom, they'll be like, this is, this is what adulting is, Morgan. I'll be like, I don't like it. <laughs> like, like, are you sure this is what we have to do forever? Yeah. Um, this actually sounds and feels terrible, so <laughs> I'm just going to be a kid. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, do I really have to pay bills? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like. Is money real? Can I just buy fun <laughs> things? Like, yeah, do I really at- have to buy gas and groceries? Propane? <sighs> do I- okay, so I hit a deer because that's a Wisconsin thing. Um, There's and- deer other places. <laughs> I'm just, I know, but I just feel. Um, and I'm pissed because as an adult, I now have to pay the deductible. And let me tell you, honey, it's an expensive deductible. And what the fuck? I was all excited. I was like, I get three paychecks this month and blah, 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 blah. I'll have like a little fun. And now almost ha- over half my paycheck is going towards my deductible. Yikes. <laughs> so that's an update in my life. My car, um, Sexy Sadie, is currently in. That's what you named it? Yeah, it's a Beatles song. If you don't know this, I don't. Yeah, I think I've mentioned it. I'm a huge Beatles fan. Yeah, but I didn't know that's what you named your car. Mm-hmm. I've sexy. never named my cars, like either of sexy them. Sexy Sadie, what have you done? Yeah, I'm all about it. So yeah, besides that, I got a guinea pig, and his name is Melvin, and I really love him. I pretty much rescued him because someone abandoned him at a Petco. So, <laughs> yep, We're that's all I got. Rescue. That's, that's all I got. One thing I did see, Hannah, and I don't know if you saw this, one of the Duggars... You know, like the big family. The yeah. 19 Kids and Counting or whatever. Yeah. One of the sons, I think. Yeah. It's this is old son. news, Morgan. I just saw it today. He was convicted by the jury of being guilty for oh. child Pornography, yeah. Yes. So, yes, he was convicted of being guilty and good because that's gross and he can go rot in prison. And probably. Yeah, I was going to say that was, that was old news that that was a thing. It's a thing, but. but- that might have been the day yeah did you ever watch that show when it was on tv no well because sometimes and i knew it was a little strange but yeah i watched it a little little bit with my mom yeah i watched it a little bit with my mom but it was like 
not something we watch all the time. Yeah, I couldn't live that lifestyle. Let's just say that. That and Amish, I, oh my God, I couldn't, I couldn't. Well, that I you kind of don't have a choice. Like you grow up like that. You don't I've know seen Breaking else. Amish. I've yep. seen Breaking Amish. <laughs> okay, that seems very scripted though. We are getting yeah, so off topic. <laughs> we are, and I know they all end up going back to the Amish. So okay, Not anyways. all of them, not all of them. <sighs> yeah, well, I wouldn't go back, but whatever. <laughs> Um, well, they all go berserk and like get addicted to drugs and then get like 50,000 tattoos and sleep with fun. 15 men and then have four just, kids and go back. That's called being an adult, Hannah. <laughs> it's all Good round God. circle. It all has come around. That's like the exa- like exact opposite of adulting. Yeah, you're right. I just, I don't know. I just felt like <sighs> it was needed to be said. Okay. Now on topic. Focus. Okay. Well, first Bonnie of all, I totally forgot to give a shout out to one of my best friends, Abby. She's my she... best friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, Abby, well, I call her Fifi. That's her nickname. Whatever. I was like, why, she... why are you welling yeah. so much? <laughs> she <laughs> actually suggested Bonnie and Clyde and I suck and I forgot to give her credit for that in episode one. So here we are in part two. Thank you, Abby, for the suggestion because- Thanks, Fifi. I think these are super interesting people. Hey, Faye. Are you done? Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> also, I hope everyone's very happy. I'm sorry we're two days late, but I hope everyone's very happy because I've gotten no sleep in the past, like, two days. <laughs> she hasn't. She texted me last night at, like, 1130. She's like, okay, I have part two done, but not part three. <laughs> I don't know. Just like, oh, no. God. I've been, like, not sleeping because I'm, like, furiously typing like furiously reading i'm like oh god get it well anyways like we said last time the jeff gwynn book go down together is one of the biggest sources that i use for my research and then another source that i use for a ton of information which they also use that same book was last podcast on the left so very interesting those guys are super funny if you are interested in stuff like ours, except they're like actual comedians, so they're funny, <laughs> go listen okay. to their podcast. <laughs> we could be if we wanted to be. We choose. I feel like I want to take a class to be funnier. We choose not to be comedians, and we choose. <laughs> would love no. to. We don't. We don't. That should be our next mm. investment, Morgan. Comedy classes? Yeah, instead of like investing in like couples therapy. We can invest in like a comedy class together. We need couples therapy, <laughs> Hannah. This is it. you can't keep pushing it off. <laughs> I know, but we maybe we just need space, Morgan. <laughs> it's not you, it's me. No, yeah, well, that's never me. gonna happen, Hannah. I'm the aggressor <laughs> in the relationship, and I'll get what I want. Oh my God, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Take it Sorry, not. We're off track again. <laughs> okay, well. Where we left off last time was that, what was it? Bonnie and Clyde had just met at a party. So part one was pretty much all about Bonnie and Clyde as people, like why they grew up to turn into the people that they did. Part two, we're going to talk more about like their intro to crime and like what brought them into this gang lifestyle. And then part three is going to be like, holy shit, this is all stuff they did. And also, burning ring of fire, how they went down. So I'm going to just jump into part two. 
So when, when we left off, Clyde had just gotten picked up from Bonnie's house by the police. So at this point, they had only been together for about like one month and he was sent to the Dallas County jail and he was there for multiple car thefts. So Bonnie was going there almost daily to visit him. And at one point she had told Clyde that she went to see his mother, which really pissed him off because he was like avoiding that at all costs because he knew that Kumi, his mother, would not approve of Bonnie because like we said in episode one, she is very conservative, religious, like hated makeup, hated like all of that stuff. And Bonnie was obsessed with makeup. She loved the fancy clothes and Kumi assumed that she was as um, Jeff Gwynn put it, a pleasure-obsessed vixen, which I believe is like a witch. Wow. So she didn't like her. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, I have exes that my parents didn't really like, but I don't think they'd ever go that Same. far. <laughs> Same. Well, I don't know about my parents, <laughs> but I like it. Um, so like a week later, Bonnie borrowed a car yeah, a week after um, Clyde was in jail, Bonnie, sorry, borrows a car and she goes to visit him. Um, and then Clyde told her that he was getting moved to a different prison in Denton, which made her super sad. And she wrote in her journal or diary or whatever, which she wrote a lot, which we'll talk about more of her poems and stuff a little bit later. But one of the things she wrote when she found out he was moving jails to Denton, which is farther away, was that she, quote, I laid my head down on the steering wheel and sure did boo-hoo, end quote. Oh. I don't <laughs> know. start I, saying that. <laughs> I know. I didn't know how I felt about it either. I was like, it's kind of cringy, but also like, at this point, she's like, what is she, like 18, 19? Yeah. Well, you always like, say I'm dramatic, so that's what I'm going to start saying to, like, really emphasize it. <laughs> and I booed, okay? You are booing. I could see it. I, I would, and I'm going to now, actually. Oh, my God. Oh, that's great. So, after this, Clyde got super lucky because there was not enough evidence to get him for the robbery that he was accused of earlier in November. So... From Denton, then he was transferred to Waco to face other charges there. So this one he wasn't so lucky for because there was more witness testimonies and there was more evidence to consider. So here he was found guilty of seven charges and he had pseudonyms or like, what are they called? Like uh, aliases of multiple names. So some of them were Elvin Williams, Eldon Williams, Jake Hale, and Roy Bailey. I always wonder, like, what makes you pick your pseudonyms? I was just gonna say that. Were you? Like, I don't know how he chose them because it's like two first names for all of them. Maybe that's what you do. Like, I'm Marie Ann, (laughs) like Marie Ann White. Except I'd pick something stupid, like my middle name's Ruth, so I'd be like Ruth Hannah. Like, that's dumb, but I would probably Elizabeth do Morgan. <laughs> so I'd probably do something like that. Just flip-flop it. Just, <laughs> that's not me. <laughs> nah. No proof. Oh, God. So then um, in Waco, Clyde was held with another inmate named William Turner. And he um, 
had a little bit more than uh, Clyde did as far as charges because he was charged with 25 different things. So, but even though Clyde had like all these charges against him, he was sentenced to serve seven concurrent two year terms. So pretty much what that means is he got to serve all seven of them at once. So he was there for two years for like all this different stuff. What? I don't understand why they do that or how that's okay. Do they still do that? <laughs> like, I feel like you can serve concurrent You can, sentences. but I feel like it's not that crazy. I feel like if you have seven of them, you should serve more than two years. Hell yeah. That's fucking weird. Because obviously there's not remorse then if you're going to do it. Even if all you did was steal a car. Not all you did was steal a car, but even if that's all you did and you didn't like actually hurt anyone. You obviously did it seven times. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like you felt bad about it. Yeah. Uh, you don't feel bad until you get caught. Yeah, that's know. what that's what they said. That's what we said in the first episode. Yep. Well, you're never guilty I mean, unless you're caught. Whatever. I mean, that's bullcrap. I'm glad he didn't hurt anybody at that point. Or I don't know if he does or not, but um, that's just very interesting. <laughs> like, okay, two years. I like that you backed it up and said, I don't know if he does. <laughs> yeah, because you burst in my bubble. <laughs> I like, don't tell me nervous now. Don't I'm not tell gonna. me. Well, it's going to be shell shock. I have not let this go for everyone <laughs> that wants to know from episode one where she said Bonnie didn't kill anybody. I am tempted to go back and like cut it out. <laughs> I am like, I, I bring it up every chance I get. So she said it to me like 10 times in the past week at work. I said it today at work. <laughs> Like twice. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, okay. So then March 8th, Buck, his older brother, escapes from Huntsville Prison, which Clyde knew nothing about. So a little bit about Huntsville is there's two different portions of Huntsville, which will be really important later on. So there's more than two, but, like, there's two main, like, categories of the prison. So the walls which are kind of like the central facility for more of the nonviolent first-time criminals. It's still like a super shitty prison to go to, but they had the chance to like possibly learn some kind of trade and like they weren't doing like insane manual labor versus the Easton Prison Farm, which was also called the Bloody Ham. Um, that was more of like the other section. So this is Wait. more... F- for <laughs> violent criminals and like returned escapees so this is like what <laughs> i'm sorry all i can think of is me just going the bloody ham <laughs> don't, you, don't you get yourself in too much trouble there boy <laughs> you go to the bloody ham good are you a pirate I don't know. <laughs> what is That's going on that like triggered my brain into just pure accent heaven. <laughs> so, and now I'm just sitting here like, why? The bloody ham. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry, I think it's the bloody part. It's like bloody. You know, it's bloody. It's the bloody ham. <laughs> Sorry, keep going, keep going. Okay. Well, this is like 35 miles away from the like walls, which is the like I said, the not cushy, but, like, cushier version of the prison farm. Um, So, 
<laughs> I wrote work farm, but I wrote it as like work farm. Like those are two verbs. That's not, never mind. Okay. Um, yep. <laughs> so they provided like pretty much slave labor and they like picked cotton and other crops. And they worked 10 hour days, seven days a week with a half hour off to bathe on Saturdays. Wow. And when I was typing this, I was thinking about you because, sorry, that sounds weird, but I know how much you love baths. Okay, now everybody knows. (laughs) So I was like, Morgan, will I hate this sport? If you want to appreciate me in any way, shape, or form, send me a couple (laughs) bath bombs. (laughs) Because I am telling you right now, I do love baths, and I'm proud to admit it. And there it is. But only 30 minutes? Come on. I can sit in there 30 minutes a week! Oh my god, I thought it (laughs) was... I no. misinter. Oh my god! A half god. hour off on Saturday. I can take two hours a day and sit in a <laughs> bathtub. That is just bollocks. Which is another word I'm also using. Jesus. No. <laughs> okay, so ten hour days, seven days a week, a half hour bath once a week. It, well, it probably wasn't bath. It was probably shower. Well, I don't know. It was the 30s. Who knows? Anyways, yeah. but the reason this place is called Bloody Ham, in case you were wondering, you want to take a guess? They butcher the bloody hams. <laughs> yeah, well, there was so much self-mutilation. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, that's the name they came up with. Because these people were literally, like, cutting their limbs, like, fingers, toes, hands, what? to avoid, like, continuing to work on this farm. I they'd rather say. They'd rather cut, like, their thumb off and go to the walls and serve the rest of their sentence there. Yeah, that sounds like shit. Yeah. So like, hell no. <laughs> um, so Claude pretty much refused to take orders from anyone. So he decided he needed to break out of jail before he was transferred to Huntsville. So on Tuesday, March eleventh, Bonnie went to visit Clyde like she normally did. But at this point, he essentially asks her to risk it all, which I don't know why, but she found that romantic. So, he asks her to pretty much break him out of prison, which, or out of jail, sorry, which, I'm sorry, but if I've been dating someone for a month, first of all, I wouldn't do that in general, but if I'm dating someone for a month, what? Yeah, that's a big red flag. Yeah. Um, probably don't do that. <laughs> Like what? Yeah, but she was like fixated on this guy, so I still wouldn't do it. I hell no, but I don't know what else she got going on. Ugh, ugh. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So she saw this as her opportunity. Sorry, I was yelling. She saw this as her opportunity for them to start this new adventure and they'd be free together. But for Clyde. This was proof that she would do literally anything that he wanted, and he was the boss. That sounds like a really, really great relationship. That is so manipulative. That sounds, (laughs) that sounds just so great. (laughs) I'm just sitting here like, the manipulation that must have went on. What the fuck? He's like, oh, I He's talking to his cellmate. He's like, yeah, I got this bitch. She'll just do whatever. She's like wrapped around my finger. He fucking thinks I'm hot, okay? And like, we'll do anything. (laughs) Watch this. I won't be here tomorrow, okay? Like, don't tell nobody. You and your 5'5 self can just sit the fuck down. Yeah, 
God. Ugh. I can't talk. I'm fucking shorter than that. <laughs> yeah. oh. Okay, well, anyways, so his cellmate, William Turner, lived with his parents in East Waco, which is where they are. And he had hidden a gun in their home. So they drew a map for Bonnie and asked her to go to his parents' house to get that. So she came back with the gun, like, strapped under her belt with another dress. Or <laughs> strapped under her dress with another belt. I was going to say, this girl has two dresses on. <laughs> That's our heart. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she comes back. So she'd already been there for the day, and you're only allowed to visit once a day. So the guards were like, nah, you got to come back tomorrow. But Clyde Clyde and Bonnie were both like, fuck no, this this thing called the one-way wagon going to Huntsville um, could be here, like, at literally any second to pick up these two, um, Turner and Clyde. So the guards all loved Bonnie so much that it was so easy for her to persuade them to let her see Clyde again. Like, she really didn't have to work very hard. Just kind of, but please. I was saying she's beautiful, so if anything. Yeah, yeah, I said that last episode. She is very pretty. Yeah. They're they're both, like, relatively attractive people. She's probably like, blink, blink, my eye. Wow. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) I just had a stroke. That's okay. I've been, too. I'm just, like... Words are really hard. Blink, yeah. <laughs> blink, blink, my eyelashes. <laughs> Can you oh imagine God. either of us trying to do that? <laughs> I've tried. It doesn't yeah. get me very far. Yeah, me too. And normally... Sometimes I'm like bartending. I just like bat my eyelashes. Like maybe this will help me get a butter tip. <laughs> I don't even know how to bat my eyelashes without it looking like I'm having a seizure. So <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at with things. <laughs> I don't think I could wink to save my life, so there's that. You know what? I'm going to show you my wink tomorrow. I just, just want you to rain Mine's it. disgusting. My mouth is literally open the whole time because I can't. <laughs> it's like the good old, like, I just played a trick wink. It's not like that. Yes. <laughs> I like you. <laughs> it's like, whoa, don't do that again. Like, what the fuck did you just do? <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Okay. Backlash. Eyelashes. So, yes. That's probably all she did. Um, so with the gun that Bonnie brought in, which as soon as they were alone, she just like whipped that puppy out and gave it to him. So with the gun that Bonnie brought, Clyde and William, um, their plan was coming together. So they did have a third person that was in on it. His name was Emery Abernathy, which I don't know how he got involved in that because the other two were cellmates and... I feel like you don't just go around telling people you're busting out of jail. Maybe they were like friends that sat together at lunch. I don't know, man. It was my guess. It could be. But the plan went, this is how it goes now. Turner said that he was sick. He asked for a cup of milk to soothe his belly and milk. (laughs) (laughs) I need some milk. (laughs) And the guard figured that that was easier um, and that was like a better option for them than to clean up all this barf later if his belly okay. really did hurt. I so, can't imagine being like, I need some milk. My stomach is like, not I know. Great. <laughs> I just like, is I'm, that something I just didn't know about? Or I don't know. I've heard like warm milk to like fall asleep, which also seems weird to me, but like, 
Also, if you drink milk from, like, a bulk tank, which you're not supposed to do, but, like, Mm -hmm. if you live on a farm, like, you probably have, that's, like, normally fairly warm. Hmm. But that's not, like, pasteurized and stuff on. But either way, I can't imagine. I I don't know. I didn't know that was. I I know Pepto-Bismo. Yo, I hate. Oh, I could, like. No, just, like, the sight of it makes me sick. Sidetrack, I could chug that. Ew. I love the taste. Ew, a Pepto-Bismol? Yeah, I think it tastes great. It's like a mint. Ugh, it's good. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Go ahead, insult me, I don't care. No, I was going to say something about me. I was going to say my dirty pleasure medicine. <laughs> you, Sorry, that noise was so weird, but now you need to. I was going to say, everyone says Robitussin is so disgusting, but I really kind of, like, would take that over NyQuil, like, 100%. 100%. I don't know if I've ever had Robitussin. Not going to lie. Like, it kind of makes you, like, shiver, but also it tastes kind of good. Oh, my God. It's like when you take a shot of Rumplemans. You're just shivering, but it's so good. Do not drink cough syrup, children. I'm going to try Robitussin the next time I get sick. Yeah. Go for it. Or like tomorrow if I see it or whatever. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. So this guy got warm milk. No, no, no. Regular milk. Oh, regular milk. Even better. So, and the prisoners and the guards, like, got along pretty well. So he was like, yeah, what the fuck? I'll just bring it. It's not a big deal. But when he got back with milk, then Abernathy had the gun, which I don't know how the fuck he got the gun. But he made the jailer give him the keys and then locked him in the cell and they all took off. So, once they're outside the jail, Clyde hot-wired a car, and then a little bit later, they stole a different car, and according to Waco authorities, they thought they were still in the first car until, like, 8 o'clock the next morning, so they are kind of fucked because they were looking for the wrong thing the whole time. smart of them, though, to, like, take a different car. Yeah, they do that, like, a lot in here, like, throughout their story. It's just, like... Ditch this one, ditch this one, ditch this one. I mean, yeah, because they're going to keep looking for the last one they know about. So, yeah, smart. And, like, smart. they say later on, too, like, they use their screwdriver more than they use their, like, guns and stuff because they're changing out the plates on their cars so much. Oh. So. Smarty yeah. pants. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So Bonnie didn't hear from Clyde for like quite a while after this. So she was kind of scared that they were, well, before she didn't hear from them. Um, she was kind of scared that the police would be looking for her. So she hitchhiked home rather than taking the bus. But the first also time, smart. yeah, true. But like, I can't imagine that was fun either. Yeah, that sounds like I would never hitchhike. I'm sorry if I'm stranded yeah, on the road, I'll fucking sleep on the side of my. Morgan, <laughs> that's because hitchhiking was like totally a normal thing until like the 70s i guess but yeah you're right just fuck that like i feel like everyone did that i mean it makes sense until you get into some fucking weirdo's car yeah i don't know i'm terrified i need to stop making that noise (laughs) you know you did it again so i copied it (laughs) just do it every time i do it so i'm like oh my god is that what i sound like i'll do it 10 times grosser because i'm good at that oh yeah Okay, I don't know what that little moany sound was anyway. <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> okay, so the first time that she heard from them was like five days after they escaped and she read about them in a newspaper and 
<laughs> the newspaper article said that the three of them didn't have the brains to stay out of trouble. <laughs> Which I thought that was funny. <laughs> and they that'll, them, that'll hit your confidence. They called them like little dumbbells or something like that. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was funny too. Yeah, that writer deserves a promotion. <laughs> <laughs> So then Clyde also sent her like a super brief telegram and she was like elated like her man oh, was I'm okay sure. and he was in the paper like this is exactly what she wanted. I'm sure. They're famous. Well, he is. She no one knows anything. Like no one knew anything about um about Bonnie being the one to like help break him out. They weren't like, oh, we let Bonnie in a second no, time. No, like no one like no one thought anything of it because well, she was just so nice and like charming. That like, and maybe they were like, I'm not getting in fucking trouble for letting her back in. No, but like everyone that meets her likes her for the most hmm. part. Hmm. So okay. March 17th, this is like what, a week and a half later, two weeks later, um, Clyde was caught um casing a train station and he was like super suspicious which this comes up a lot like i feel like you'd kind of get better at this as time goes on because once you fuck up that many times like i feel like you should get better yeah unless it's like a habit or well i guess i don't know know. he just looks like highly suspicious all the time so the ticket agent like wrote down his license plate number and then they came back that night and they accidentally broke into the dry cleaners next to the train station i think that's what happened and then they broke into the train station so they ended up with like 60 bucks but oh great well back then probably no that's that's still not a lot of money oh like if the average salary was like seven dollars a week that's really not that much yeah that's (laughs) shitty (laughs) that's for like a factory worker that's not like good money well that's like 10 weeks of work so i mean yeah but that's for like someone that does not make enough money to live yeah that is true so they can at least okay but put it this way they could last but they gotta split that three weeks they gotta split that three ways too unless they get like a hotel and just all live together yeah but they're not gonna do that yeah true um so they were so nervous that they drove out of town on dirt roads got lost and then they're like fuck it we're just gonna sleep in the car so then in the morning they were so freaking lost that they wanted to just like get the fuck out of there so they accidentally drove right back to where they just (laughs) robbed the night before and there were police officers looking for them so smart that agent had written down their license plate and like what kind of car they were in so obviously the cops were like that's fucking them like let's get after them so they followed them went to a car chase or whatever then they all got out and hid and clyde um ended up like hiding under a house for a couple hours but then god (laughs) he almost got away too but he um ended up trying to steal another car that night but he was caught and arrested dude stop stealing cars <laughs> how the fuck's he supposed to get around morgan what's he gonna I don't do know, run run he's gonna take a bicycle across texas like no well i don't know <laughs> well i i get i don't know keep going i'm just okay I'm so I, he, yeah <laughs> that's like a theme morgan cars cars yeah, fast cars just, <laughs> as you can tell i'm just frustrated fast fancy fucking cars yeah okay, i like anyways. them too but 
Well, so he tried to give a fake name, but the other two already kind of ratted him out. So, um, yeah, so that kind of fucked him. And they're all sent to McLennan County Jail. They were assigned to a maximum security cell. And the judge, they had the first time that they were all sentenced, um, was the same judge that they had this time. And there was some pretty strong criticisms about this judge in the paper because they gave, he gave him such short sentences. So he was like, fuck that. I'm not going to be wrong again. So Turner was sent to Kansas uh, the next day to serve a three-year sentence for robbery. And then he'd get sent back to Texas after that to serve a 40-year sentence Holy in Texas. Holy man. Okay. So Now we're catching up. <laughs> yeah. So April 21st, what is this? Three weeks later? Four weeks later? One-way wagon came back to pick up Clyde and bring him to Huntsville. So, um, the one-way wagon, the guy that brought these people to uh, Easton Prison Farm, he, I forgot what his name was, but he's, like, known for, like, not letting anyone, anyone escape. Like, I think mm. they said... It was like hundreds of thousands of miles he traveled with this wagon, and he only had one person ever escape. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah, like, I think I want to do a separate episode just on him. I feel because that. Because it was like, all like, he saw a lot of shit. Not to, like, give my topic away, but Skinwalker Ranch is what I'm doing next. Um, you didn't give it away at all. <laughs> I, I, of course I didn't. Um, <laughs> just, just bleep that part out. Anyways, what? um... There is, like, a basin that I also want to do a separate topic on. Because, like, when you research these things, you realize there's, like, a ton of other people and, like, locations involved. And you're like, holy I shit. I never heard about that. How yeah. did I not know about this? So, um, I feel yeah. you on that. No, it's, like, every time I read something, I'm like, but I could do that. I want to know more about that. I know. I think I'm that's the same my way. favorite thing that I've learned about doing this podcast is there's so many things that you don't know. Yeah. And like, like, I love the constant learning. Me too. I've learned so fucking much, dude. Love it. It's, I know. It's, I that's it. my favorite thing about this. I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Not to quote a oh, movie or anything. Oh my God, I, I love am. that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so Clyde gave his birthday as March 24th of 1912, which is not actually his birthday. So this made him 18 rather than 20 when he went there, which he thought would maybe give him an easier work assignment. And then he also claimed that Bonnie was his wife, so that way she could still mail him letters because they could only communicate with their immediate family. And then for whatever reason, he said that his middle name was Champion, not Chestnut. I think that was the ego thing. I don't really know. Honestly... Both of those names are the stupidest names I've ever heard in my life. Chestnut. <laughs> Ch- oh, oh, here comes Chestnut. <laughs> that's his middle name, Morgan. Just even if it's his middle name, that's what I would call him. Knowing that Chestnut. that's what that is. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. That's real creative there, Clyde. <laughs> well, he's Clyde Champion Barrow from here on out. Like, every newspaper calls him that. Good. So I'm glad. No when they're not chestnut. calling him the baby dumbbell. Um, <laughs> love or the, the baby. baby thugs that they, they later call him. But I love both. I love both. 
Um, so summer of 1930, Clyde is sent back to Waco to face the charges for additional robberies. And for whatever reason, like we said before, the Eastern prison farmers, like for highly dangerous criminals and, um, like people that have escaped before and all that kind of stuff, for whatever reason, he is sent there. Like this is like his first real charge. Well, I mean, he had been charged, but it was only a two-year sentence. So, everyone kind of, like, everything I've read kind of made it sound like it was a mistake that he was sent here, but it gets real fucking bad for him real quick. So, Clyde met this guy. His name is Ralph Fultz. He becomes, like, a, a big part in this story, at least for this portion of their lives. Um, and they meet on the ride to Huntsville, on the one-way wagon. They're all chained together by the neck um, on this ride there. So sounds, well, sounds great. Scary. Yeah, sounds normal. Yeah. So, and they found out they had kind of a lot in common, I guess, but um, he had escaped six months earlier, and then he also gave Clyde some details about the farm, mainly this, that guards killed prisoners for two reasons not working and running so i mean (laughs) note to self (laughs) i guess like yeah maybe never stop working (laughs) um so now we're going to talk about lee simmons he became the general manager of the prison farm in march of 1930 so he'd kind of just gotten into this well not not prisons but like into like managing all of them And his idea of reform was solely based on discipline. And an example of this, the most common example, was the bat. So this was essentially a leather strap that was like three feet long and it was like three to five inches wide with a long handle. And it said that it was greased to hit the bare backs, buttocks, and thighs of prisoners that were like held down by other prisoners. um like spread eagle yeah i don't like that it's greased yeah they said that was for max velocity so they can swing it faster that's disgusting not a big fan of that oh just wait just but wait there's more no whoa (laughs) um what do i sound like i'm in an oxyclean commercial you did that's why i got excited Uh, I feel like I'm, like, fucking 15 Celebrity! Again. I feel like I'm 15 again, waking up in the middle of the night. Oh, to, so like, the paper, um, yeah, the, the paper programming? Ads. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever they are. Yeah. Don't you love like, QVC? Oh, I do love QVC. Yeah, they always have the paid programming things. Oh, love QVC. Disgusting. Morgan, why? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, like, I think I could do the job, and that's no, why. No, no. I could That's do a it. no for me. I could, I could fucking do it. That's a hard no for me. Not a soft hey. no. That's a, that's a hard no. Okay. So, sometimes, sometimes the guards dumped sand on the open wounds before proceeding to hit the prisoners again. Yeah, that sounds like hell. I mean, it, I mean, if BTK <sighs> is in this prison, like... That makes me happy. Yeah, if it's like I stole a thing of bread, that makes me really sad. Yeah. Well, 
the limit for this was supposed to be 20 lashes, but most guards, air quote, didn't count. So they kind of just like fucking kept going until they wanted. Um, and then they often um, made the other prisoners like line up and inspect the bat after they were done beating the the like initial prisoner with it. And then this is fucking gross, but I guess there were claims that they were even sometimes made to lick it. Okay. Okay. Mm. What the fuck is going on? That's like sadistic. This is like why I don't fully trust like back in the day prisons and stuff like that. It's like who was regulating this? Nobody was. Well, just you, just you wait. So Fultz, since he was escaped and then caught again. He was made to ride the barrel when he got back. So Mm. pretty much what they made him do was straddle a pickle barrel, which was, like, almost impossible um, because his toes, like, didn't really touch the ground. Like, they kind of did, but they mostly didn't. So he had pretty much, like, it's not like it was the round way where it was, like, on its side where he kind of just sat. With your legs okay. like spread a little it bit. Was it like was like up. the straight up way. And then you had like the hard edge of the barrel. And that's where your thighs were. So Great. the inner part of his thighs went like numb. And then he'd fall off. And it was like the barrel was like cutting into his inner thighs. And then the guards would like pick him up right away. And then like, put him back on the barrel. And then they did this for a full night. And then like well into the next day. Just to, like, make sure he knew he wasn't going to fucking run again. So, and then another thing about this place is that it was, like, pretty isolated. So, it's kind of difficult for prisoners to escape on foot. So, unless they had, like, real plan, it was kind of like, hey, fuck you guys. Because they had Cross River and then there were bloodhounds. And the guard to prisoner ratio was one to eight. So shit. Yeah, so they got eyes on them everywhere. Yeah. But to make it worse, this guy named B.B. Monzingo, he was fired previously from Eastham for (laughs) mistreatment of the inmates. So, (laughs) you know how bad this guy is? Yeah, I'm like, like, what the fuck was this guy doing? (laughs) Yeah, how much of a demon he must be to get fired from a place like this? Yeah, this guy had to have been... God. Well, Simmons, the little sweetheart he is, when he gets um into the management there, he decides he's going to bring Monzingo right back and place oh, him not? in charge of the whole farm. Oh, why not? <laughs> I see nothing wrong with this. <laughs> yeah, so he's just like, hell on earth here, guys. Get used to it. So... When Fultz, okay, so after he's done riding the fucking barrel, the guards are, like, drawing straws. Well, I guess not, like, drawing straws. They're more, like, bidding on who gets to beat the fucking shit out of Fultz. No. Yeah, so they beat the piss out of him. And, oh, also, side note, that grossed me out, too. When they were getting hit with the bat, a lot of them, like, passed out, and they also, like, he didn't poop themselves because they're getting beat so much well Isn't right because you lose control over shit yeah. that's Isn't that sad yeah well, yes <laughs> like it's 
not only sad, but it's disgusting that like the guards were just like do that to people. Yeah, that they were just like, oh my god, this guy just shit up. Like, that's not fucking nightmares. I literally choke up when I'm gonna punch someone. Yeah, that's not funny. That's actually abuse and really fucking wrong. I don't know how people can like. I don't know how people can hit people. Me either. I don't it's, get it. It's fucking crazy. That's that is crazy that they beat them so. Which that I mean, much, it's yeah. bad that they beat them, but it's worse that like it like it didn't even take them like pissing and pooping themselves that they were just like okay we should stop like they kept going. Yeah, exactly. Fuck that. Okay, so, sorry, back to the the current beating, not with the bat, just, like, kicking the shit out of someone. Clyde made a point of, like, helping Fultz up when he was done, which was probably stupid, but he made a point of, like, being loyal to him, which kind of made the guards watch Clyde even more because now he's associated with someone that ran. So, after this, Fultz and Clyde are, are, Clyde are like, super loyal to each other, and they start planning their return to come back and raid the farm after they're released, which Clyde was sentenced to 14 years here, I believe. So they got a ways to go, but Clyde's already thinking, I'm not fucking staying here. So, which honestly, I'm sorry, but like, I wouldn't, (laughs) I'd be thinking the same thing. I'd be like, this place actually fucking sucks. Yeah, but you're not going to be able to run. (laughs) Oh, I would find a fucking, I mean, I'm sure Clyde finds a fucking way, so I'm with him. But it gets worse before it gets better. Great. Um, so Clyde eventually is moved to like a different part of the farm away from Fultz, but I think they kind of had this in their heads that this was gonna happen. Um, and then like another thing that happened on the farm was that if fights ever broke out, prisoners like misbehave or anything like that, guards would come in shooting really high, like above the prisoners' heads in their dorms, and then slowly start shooting lower and lower and lower until like they all stopped what yeah so the dorms were like filled with like bullet holes what the fuck is going on yeah then they chose inmates like specific inmates um to like supervise the other inmates so like creating different levels of authority there too and they called these guys the building tenders they were usually the biggest and the strongest and then they received some perks, like getting extra food and sometimes having a weapon. And what they the got to fuck? yeah, and they got to manhandle anyone they fucking pleased. Okay, I'm sorry, but that is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. This is why I don't trust old timesy whatever like justice systems because I'm like, you're either getting fucked in court, then you get fucked in court, and then you get fucked in wherever else you're going. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Well, the manhandling whoever the fuck they pleased is exactly what Ed Crawler did to Clyde. So here's where it gets worse. And this actually makes me really fucking sad because this is not deserved say, by anyone. You're kind of tugging at my heartstrings for Clyde right now. and I'm Yeah, trying. just you fucking wait. It gets worse. <laughs> so Ed Crawler's this big fucking scary monster dude. He was sentenced in 1926 to 15 years for robbery and bootlegging liquor. Like, okay, whatever. We're, we're following. But he attempted to break out so many times that his uh, sentence 
had eventually been increased to 99 years with like zero chance of parole. So he's a lifer now. So now he's a building tender and he's a big mean fucker. So he terrorized the fuck out of Clyde and he ends up raping him almost daily in front of all of the other prisoners. The guards really didn't give a shit. And then honestly, they said that the humiliation was worse than the pain for Clyde. And, like, the fact that anyone would even talk about this is, like, that would be Clyde's worst nightmare. Because, remember, he always wanted to be the boss. He wanted to be in charge. He's going to take shit from no one. And then this happens, and he can't do anything. This guy's over six feet tall, and he's all muscle. Clyde's 5'5 and, like, 120 pounds. Yeah, I... I can't imagine. I literally can't imagine. In front of, like, I know it happens. Yeah. I know it happens, and I'm sure maybe sometimes it happens still. Oh, like, I'm I'm almost positive. Well, I mean, like, in front of people, I guess is what I was trying to say. But, like, to make a point like that is so fucked. Well, like, the only reason, like, Clyde didn't really talk about it much. But, like, the only reason we really know about it is because Blanche, like, wrote about it. And, like, this is Clyde's, or not Clyde, Buck, his older brother's. Did I say this already? Yeah, you you talked about him. Okay. So, it's his older brother's wife eventually. Oh, maybe um, you didn't. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. I'll I'll get caught up. Oh. <laughs> also, maybe I mentioned my- her. Short-term memory ADHD brain doesn't work well sometimes. Well, okay. So she kind of writes about it and, like, how much this was a turning point for Clyde as a person. Um, and then Foltz also says that this is where Clyde, not this specific, but, like, in a little bit, is um, where Clyde turns. He watches Clyde turn from a boy into a rattlesnake. I don't know exactly why uh, they chose a rattlesnake, but I I get it. I get Uh, it. Because it's like a rattlesnake is very defensive. So like, yeah, aggressive and defensive. Like you get close to it and I'm going to fuck you up kind of thing. I don't know why I did a hissing. That's not not a rattlesnake. That is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Crowder. No, not Crowder. Crowler. Crowler. Um, He... And, like, to go back to the humiliation piece, he, like, bragged about this and, like, whisk, like other people whispered about it, air quotes whispered, to make sure Clyde heard it and felt like shit because they wanted to be better than him. So that was bullshit. But there's another building tender there. His name's Aubrey Scaly, who hated Crowler as much as Clyde. No one really knows why, but he fucking hated him. So he told Clyde that if Clyde took the risk of killing this fucking psychotic giant, that he would take the blame for it since he was a lifer anyways. So on October 25th, 1931, Clyde hit a lead pipe in his pants during work. And then when they got back to the dorms, he went to like the bathroom and he was, he went there alone where he knew Crawler would follow him. So once he was in there, um, once Crawler was in there, he fucking Broke his fucking skull with the lead pipe. And then Scaly comes running in and he fills Crowler's body with shiv, like with with a shiv with knife holes. 
And then he gave himself like a, a cut on the ribs to make it look like he was in a knife fight with this guy. And then he admitted to the murder. So, yeah. Um, Clyde never showed remorse for this. And this is the first time that he proved he's going to kill someone without hesitating if he has to. Honestly, I'm kind of happy. What this sounds really bad, but like, yeah, no, that's kind of when I was listening to the last podcast on the left, they kind of said the same thing. They're like, You would just celebrate one murder. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sorry. Like, I don't want to say this guy deserved to die, but he kind of he did. Him every day for a fucking In front year. of people. Like, okay, I, bye I bye. I don't even care about like the people part sucks, but the fact that he's gonna, oh, yeah, he can go bye bye. Bye. So, now Bonnie had, like, slowly started to stop writing to Clyde by the end of 1930 and stop visiting him, too. So, okay, we're going to talk about, like, a little bit of what happens here. Um, and um, so Bonnie had stopped writing to him. Henry Barrow, Clyde's dad, had opened up a two-pump gas station with a two-hole outhouse as well, which Clyde's little sister was proud of. And then he also had a payphone and water for sale. And then he quietly brewed beer, um, which was much more profitable <laughs> because this was during the Prohibition. Blanche and Buck got married in July of 1931, and she had pleaded with Buck to turn himself in, and his mother, Kumi, agreed. So on December 27th of 1931, Buck drove himself to the main building of the Huntsville prison after 21 months on the run. And they were so fucking surprised that they didn't even add any more time to his sentence, and they accepted his request that he just stay safely in the walls instead of going to the work farm. All right, I want to be that guy in this situation. Yeah, so he just turned himself back in, and he's like, yep, I'm here to finish the rest of this thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're so, probably just happy he came Yeah, like they're back. like, um, sorry, you want to fucking do what? Oh, all right. <laughs> so, okay, now back to Clyde. At this point, he's so fucking fed up with the um, Eastern Farm that he, like many others, took it upon himself to get himself out of the situation. So, Fultz, um, after the fact, he said at one point that they had seen as many as 14 people self-mutilate in a week time span during their time on the farm. Because this was God. such a common thing. It's not really recorded anywhere. Like, the farm kind of kept this hush-hush. Of course not, right? But, yeah. So, January 27th of 1932, Clyde... Well, someone else probably did it, but yeah. So Clyde's entire left big toe and part of his second toe had been chopped off with an axe. Ooh. But <laughs> no, this thank is you. kind of unfortunate because he didn't really need to do that. Because, see, on February 2nd, the Texas governor had paroled him due to his mother's consistent pleading, which was pretty frequent due to overcrowding at the time. He's probably like, I'm sick of her coming to my office. Get him out. <laughs> so, yeah. So he chopped off half of his fucking foot. No, I shouldn't say half his foot. His big fucking toe. For nothing. Which is important for balance. Yeah, for nothing. And like two weeks later, yeah, his mom gets him out. He, or he one didn't week know later. his mom was going to do that. 
Yeah, but so I'd probably still fucking do it too if I didn't know. Fuck working there. Well, from there, he swore um, that he would rather die than have the laws, as he called them, send him back there again. So he had, okay, now we're out of Eastham. He's out. He's pardoned. He's done. So Clyde had been there for 17 months. That seems like a long fucking time for all the shit he went through. But of his 14 years, probably not that bad. Um, during that time, Bonnie had started dating other men. But in early February of 1932, when he went to her house to see her, she was with her new beau, but she jumped up um, just as excited as ever to see Clyde. And she ran to his arm, arms, and her apparently ex-boyfriend just kind of left. I was just thinking like, oh, he's not only missing half his big toe, he's missing another arm too. <laughs> no, there's two. <laughs> <laughs> so Clyde's plan, he was done with the, the uh, crime life. He wanted to open an automotive part and repair shop next to his father's service station, but he needed capital, which he didn't have. <laughs> and he was so persistent on going straight that um, his sister Nell actually suggested that he take a job in Framingham, Massachusetts um, to kind of just save up enough money to open this repair shop that he wanted to. And he did move out there. He was going to work for a couple weeks to get startup money. He was using the the fake name Jack Stewart. And he he just could not do it. He told his sister that he nearly died of loneliness. Seems um, a little dramatic. But I mean, if you are that lonely, though, maybe. I don't know, man. Well, after... He got back together with Fultz after Fultz's release on August 26th of 1931. This must have been after Clyde got out. <laughs> um, that made going straight even harder. And then there's also this guy, Raymond Hamilton, who's going to be another huge part of the story. So um, he kind of comes into the picture here as well. So Raymond and Clyde knew each other, but they didn't really like each other. Um, and how they kind of all get together here is Fultz had smuggled in hacksaw blades in the spine of a magazine to break Hamilton out of jail, which happened on January 27th of 1932. So now we're all lined back up with current time. So now the three of them are a gang. So they all said, fuck it. We're done going straight. It's the, the life of crime that we want. So, um, Bonnie told her mother that she'd been offered a job selling cosmetics, but she was really going to go with Clyde and the boys. And Emma was excited that Bonnie was just done with Clyde and his terrible influence on her. So this is a quote from the book. Bonnie and Clyde both saw lives devoted to crime as offering possibilities that going straight couldn't. So they did realize the consequences, um, but Bonnie wrote that the laws always won in the end anyways. So they said, fuck it. So 
March 25th of 1932, Clyde Fultz and Hamilton were out to commit their first robbery as a gang. They went to the Sims Oil Refinery, which was like a few blocks from the Barrow Service Station, and they were going to hit up this place for their payroll cash because Clyde thought they'd have all kinds of money there to pay their employees. They didn't know there was going to be four employees inside when they got there, so they had to tie them up. And then after a lot of work doing that, they found out the safe was empty. So Hamilton was pissed, and he let Clyde know it. Um, Hamilton then wanted to focus on auto theft, but Fultz and Clyde both had this big idea that they were going to go back and raid the Easton prison farm. So they decided that they were going to say, fuck Hamilton. Well, they're all still in the gang together. They say, fuck Hamilton's idea. We're sticking to the, the prison raid. So they need bulletproof vests. They need large um, supply of ammunition. Um, and they needed to get money for those things. So they wanted to do this all in one shot. Um, so this is like their grand idea. And then another thing that is like a huge thing that helps with this idea and with all of their gang activity as a whole is that post-World War I, the Federal Highway Act added 300,000 miles of highways and in 1924, McNally had published its first national roadmap. So this gave them the ability to travel, like, pretty much anywhere in the country super quick. Yeah, I was going to say, get the hell out of there. Yeah. So, um, which they did a lot. So Clyde, Fultz, and Hamilton pick a bank in Minnesota to rob. And at the last minute, as they're driving around in Minnesota, Clyde insists that they turn south and find a place that's less cold because um, it was kind of icy because he thought this would be a problem in their escape route, which Hamilton was pissed about that too because Hamilton's from Michigan. So he's like, fuck it, like, it's whatever. But Clyde's like, I am not going to, like, slide off the road here in this icy bullshit, which, relatable because... Who likes to fucking ice? Not I. Not I. No. It's no fun to go in the ditch. Hell no. I've never been in a ditch, but I can imagine. Uh, when I had my grand dam, I did slide in the ditch once. It, I was going really slow around a corner, and I was right by my house. But I slid, like, in the ditch, and my car, car was, like, almost on its side. It was fucking scary. And that's how it always happens. It's like, you're almost home. So fucking stupid. Oh, I was leaving my house. I was in a yeah. dress and heels. I was on my way to a birthday party. Exactly. It's fucking stupid. And then my ex was mad at me that I was going to be late because I had to go buy balloons for this birthday party. And um, then, that's why he's your ex, so. That's me clapping. <laughs> <laughs> well deserved. <laughs> um, so from there... They picked the first national bank in Lawrence, Kansas. So less ice, whatever. Um, better destination. So they drive 400 miles to get there. Clyde and Fultz ran in with their shotguns, and they were given two bags of money, and they locked the tellers in the vault. Then they ran out to Hamilton, and a short way down the road stole a different vehicle. Then, mind you, this is, like, all super fast-paced, like, from here on out, there's, like, no slowing down. Like, they're always running. They're always doing something. They're robbing somewhere, whether it's a little gas station or a little restaurant or, like, a bank. Like, 
they weren't very good bank robbers. This is going to be like the biggest one that they get, but otherwise they kind of get unlucky. And I'll tell you more about that later, but like in the next episode, but like this is by far the biggest one they get. So when they're in East St. Louis, they count all their money, which ends up being like $33,000 at that time, which is like 660000 Actually, when I looked it up, it was 666000 but I didn't want to write that number, so I put Still $660,000. fucking <laughs> massive. In today's money. Wow. Um, which could have been exaggerated by faults because that seems like a lot more fucking money than they would have needed. I was but, thinking the same thing, dude. But um, anyway, so then they go to Dupo, Illinois, where they spent like almost all of their cuts on like this crooked pawn dealer's guns. And Hamilton's like, fuck you guys, I'm done with this. So he goes to see his dad in Bay City, Michigan. And in the book that I've read, it said that Clyde had said that he hopes on um, he. Oh, my God. He hopes that Hamilton chokes on that wad of money. Because they were not uh, fond of each other. So then Bonnie um, and Fultz um, meet. And Fultz really likes her. Um, He meets her. As soon as he meets her, he really likes her. So that's looking good for that for the the gang that they would like each other. Bonnie cannot come with them quite yet. So um, right now it's still just kind of a. The boys club kind of thing. The boys club. Anyways. (laughs) So that was such a weird ass laugh. So (laughs) I was was thinking the same thing. I'm getting nervous. So Clyde and Fultz went to Denton to get a gang together. So they get Johnny Russell, Jack Hammett, Ralph Alsip, and Ted Rogers together. They are known as the Lake Dallas gang. They're not yet the barrel gang. So they plan to do the prison break, uh, the Eastern prison break. But the biggest concern applies was that Aubrey Scaly was broken out. Everyone else is pretty, pretty much on a fucking own once they get all the cells open and everything. So they're working on using the, the guns they bought in Dupo. But most of them fucking jammed and bulletproof vests that they bought didn't really do much. All the bullets just kind of pew pew right through them. So they start having second thoughts. Cut to April 13th. They're in Amarillo, Texas. Clyden faults car breakdown. And they're walking to steal another one when some cops stop them. Clyden faults brandished their guns and they took three cops hostage. Um, They start driving and they're apologizing to the cops for the inconvenience. They really didn't want to hurt anyone. The only people that they wanted to hurt were the guards at Eastham, but otherwise anyone else was just like, okay, we got to get this done, but we don't want you to get in the way. So they just took them hostage, drove them down the road, whatever. So then the cop's car run out of gas and Clyde and Fultz jump out. They jump on the running boards of a passing vehicle, which is the vehicle of Bill Owens, a mail carrier. So Clyde assured him, which they also had their guns pointed at him, so that probably helped them slow down a little. That's reassuring. Yeah. <laughs> he assured him that if they, if he did what they said, he would be fine. So they take him hostage little ways down the road. They drop him off to. So he had two requests. <laughs> this is funny. He wanted his mailbag, 
which whatever he wants to deliver the mail but then he told clyde when he's when they're done with his car he wanted them to burn it wherever they ended up leaving it and burn it in the wide open so that way the government was forced to get him a new one (laughs) and clyde thought this was so fucking funny so they did exactly that (laughs) um um, and then their plan from there was to steal two cars that were big enough to get the escapees out of Easton prison, but he needed to deliver a message to Scaly and Bonnie was the one that he, that was going to do it for him. So April 17th, Bonnie drove into the farm pretending to be Scaly's cousin and she delivers this message on April 18th, Clyde hotwires a Chrysler and a Buick. Uh, well, he hotwires one and faults hotwires the other these are big fucking cars like heavy cars most of the cars they were driving before were like um ford v8s so those were fast these are fast too but these are heavy big cars and they're racing at like 90 miles an hour um and they are like in the process of robbing a hardware store to get guns but they botch this robbery in Kaufman and start to drive out of town on the dirt roads when it, um, sorry. When it, <laughs> I'm like, uh, when it started to rain, um, and then they figured, oh, sorry, <laughs> I already said that. So they figured that it was easier to steal the guns from the hardware store than to steal the money to buy the guns, <laughs> which good idea because they got shitty guns when they tried to buy them from a crooked dealer. So then they were, since they were racing out of town from the botched robbery, they were dodging gunfire and police set up a roadblock, which caused Clyde to do one of his famous U-turns, like on a dime. Apparently, that was, like, one of the only things Clyde was really good at was driving. Like, he was really, really, really good at driving. So, that was kind of one of the first times anyone really sees him do this. I just want to say I wish I could do the same, and that's it. (laughs) Morgan makes me nervous, like, driving through the parking lot. (laughs) You fucking suck at driving. (laughs) You make me so nervous. Dude, I make myself nervous. Like, I will wait forever for a car to go. It's just, bleh. I hate, I hate it. Bleh. Well, they ended up getting stuck because they're on washed out dirt roads and they ditched their cars. So I end up going to this nearby farm. They demand a car, but the farmer's like, dude, I don't have a car, but you can take these two mules. So they took the two mules. This is Bonnie, Clyde, and Foltz. So, Bonnie and Clyde are on one, Fultz is on another. They ride these mules for quite a while, and they find another car. They hotwire that and take off. Um, And this was a doctor's car, so it served two purposes. So, um, I believe one of them had been shot. I don't know where along the lines that had happened, but that is why they took the doctor's car. Because it had medical equipment in there and then obviously the car was to get away but they didn't really pay attention because the car ran out of gas like a mile later so they had to hide in the brush for like a whole entire day while these uh townspeople were like digging around in the brush here looking for them 
So finally they got sick of hiding in the brush and Clyde ran out to try and hotwire another car while Fultz and Bonnie were still hiding. But Fultz started shooting, so then he ends up getting shot in the left arm. This is where someone gets shot. Okay, this part makes sense. Sorry, I lost my spot in my notes. So this it's is okay. where the medical thing <laughs> comes into play. Fultz is shot. And then Clyde knew that someone was gonna need to break him out of the break him out of jail from the outside. So um he kind of left Bonnie and Fultz to their own devices here because he's like, not all three of us are going down. So they're gonna arrest those two and I'll come break them out. So they had told Bonnie if she was ever caught to say that she was kidnapped by the now barrel gang. And um an- another fun fact here. Fultz was supposed to have his gun wound inspected after he was arrested, but the doctor that they sent <laughs> was the man whose card they had just stolen. So he refused to treat him. <laughs> yeah, he's like, fuck off. Um you just no. stole my fucking car. Yeah. You can figure it the fuck out. Um so then from here sorry i scrolled um (laughs) okay so clyde sends his brother elsie and blanche to find out where where bonnie and fultz are so he can plan on how to break them out The sheriffs link these three people together um, as a three-person gang, and Sheriff Taylor identified Fultz as one of his kidnappers, one of the cops that they kidnapped. So so did the mail carrier, Bill Owens, identified Fultz, and Fultz was sent to Wichita Falls to be tried on kidnapping charges, and then Bonnie was stuck in jail until at least June. and she knew it was likely she wouldn't actually be charged because she did take Fultz's advice and told him that she was kidnapped. And also, at this time, Texas juries were, like, notorious for leniency towards women. So Clyde felt it was better to just let Bonnie wait for, like, the six weeks and get Fultz out first, which really pissed Bonnie off. So she... she swore to her mother that she was done with Clyde forever and Emma considered bailing Bonnie out but after talking to the wife of the Kaufman jailer um, she said this might be good for her and kind of cure her attraction to the criminal men Um, so she kind of let her finish her jail stint and during this time Bonnie wrote many of her famous poems um, one of the most famous was the story of Suicide Sal, where Jack, the criminal, flees while Sal is captured and sentenced to a 5-50 to year sentence. Jack sends word that he'll break Sal out, but as time passes, she wonders if he's really coming. Um, In many of her poems, these suggest that she was becoming familiar with, like, jargon that was commonly used with gangs, and also that she very likely had a history of prostitution and drug use before she ever even met Clyde. 
Um, so while Bonnie's still in jail, um, we're at April of 1932 now, Clyde Ted Rogers and Johnny Russell plan to do a robbery of a multi-use store here. This is a jewelry, general store, optician's practice, and a garage. <laughs> Um, this is the store of John Butcher. He was a 60 years old and he and his wife owned this place and lived in the apartment above it. So Clyde had cased the place pretending to be looking at guitars and hammers, but he saw the heavy safe that was like across from the main counter. But he knew that they'd have to make Butcher or his wife open it probably at gunpoint. And Mrs. Butcher had known Clyde earlier from something and she had recognized him. So she knew it was like very obvious that he was casing the place. So Clyde saw her staring at him and totally wanted to call off the robbery. He told everyone they should not do it, but Russell and Rogers would not pass up the heist. So they made Clyde sit in the car if he was going to be worried about it. And then when they came inside later that night, they made Butcher open the safe, which was all fine and Danny until he opened it and there was a gun inside. So Rogers saw Butcher go for the gun and shot him point blank. Ran out to the car. Damn. Clyde was waiting for them. Yeah, no kidding. Like, this is how everything goes after this is like, we're going to do this. No, we shouldn't do this. Yes, we should do this. And then it's like, let's fucking accident, do it. <laughs> accident after accident, just like pow, pow, pow. Like, it, yeah. none of it's planned. It's not like, Ooh. oh, we're going to go in and kill him and then take his money. It's like, yeah. we want to like leave everyone. We just want the money. Right. Um, so um, when they got um, to the car and they counted the money later on, they found out that Butcher had died for about $1,500. And that was the end of the Lake Dallas gang. So in Hillsboro, which is where they were at this point, the cops asked the Dallas police for help investigating. And they brought in mug shots of potential suspects for Mrs. Butcher to identify. She immediately picked up Clyde because he was casing the place. And unfortunately, unfortunately for him, he was in the car and did not pull the trigger, but um, I believe at Texas, in Texas at this time, um, he was just as guilty for being the driver as he was for someone that pulled the trigger. Like, they all would have been charged with the same thing. Um, and then, th- like, her saying Clyde 100% led them to show, led the police to show Mrs. Butcher a picture of Raymond Hamilton, who was in Michigan at the time. But he looks shockingly like Ted Rogers, who did pull the trigger. So she picked Hamilton, too. Not Ted Rogers, because they didn't have a picture of him. Holy fuck, lucky. Yeah, so good thing for Hamilton, uh, who was hundreds of miles away. And then they assume Frank Claus, the guy that got Clyde really, really into crime, must have been in on it, too, because... They were, they were known associates, even though they hadn't worked together in years. So, um, the governor felt that this reflected poorly on him because he had just pardoned Clyde, like, what, two months earlier than this? Three months earlier than this? So, the normal reward for a criminal was about, like, 25 to 50 bucks, but the bounty on Clyde's head was $250. He was pissed. 
So I would be too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, good God. So Clyde swung home super quick to let his family know it was a horrible mistake. He was not the one that shot him. All this went wrong, blah, blah, blah. Makes excuses like he will do over and over and over again. And then Bonnie was released from the Kaufman jail on June 17th with no charges. Um, she gave all of her poems to the jailer's wife, which is how we ended up with all of her poems today. And although she was so pissed at Clyde and swore she'd never go back to him, she ran right back to him again when he showed up. So, of course. Yeah, just what the fuck? Don't do it. Yeah. So, <laughs> Hamilton returns to Texas, finds out he's wanted for murder, and sounds like fun, right? Although he and Clyde weren't particularly fond of each other, they end up teaming up again with Bonnie's help. Um, and the reason Hamilton came back to Texas is because he was laid off in uh, June of 1932. So that's why he came back. So the three of them started renting this place in Wichita Falls, Texas. And unfortunately, Fultz would not be joining the gang again as he had attempted another prison break after his last arrest. And now he is sentenced to 10 years for armed robbery. While he was there, he becomes friends with Clyde's older brother, Buck. So now we're in Wichita Falls. This is where they're staying. The gang hit up like small gas stations and convenience stores in the area, but like I said before, they're not super successful. Um, they hit the New Off Packing Company where they got $440, which was more than most of their other hauls. And then that was done by Clyde Hamilton and then this other guy they recruited. His name was Ross Dyer. Um. Later on, it said that Kumi had asked Bonnie why she didn't try to talk Clyde out of any of these things. And Bonnie responded that Clyde often told her, this is a quote, often told her that if she asked him not to do anything like that, he started thinking about it and couldn't keep his mind on the job. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so this was the beginning of like a subtle friendship between Kumi and Bonnie. And in Kumi's memoir, she, like, doesn't write badly about Bonnie after this point. Because before that, she was like, oh, she's a little pleasure-obsessed <laughs> vixen. <laughs> and now she's like, man, yeah, she's in love with my boy. <laughs> um, so they, um, they were in Wichita Falls. Now they're staying in Grand Prairie. And they're there until the beginning of August. So now it's been three months since Clyde had been wanted for murder, so the anxiety had kind of worn off at this point. So I have one last little bit here before I leave you with the cliffhanger. Now we're moving to Stringtown, Oklahoma. The gang dropped Bonnie off at the Barrows so she could visit with their families. This is August 5th. Clyde felt like partying, so he, Dyer, and Hamilton went to Stringtown, Oklahoma around 9 p.m. Again, this is August 5th. This is a city of like 900 people. And as they're driving through town, they hear this music. And they find out that a lot of the townspeople are at this little town party in the pavilion just off the highway. So although this is like prohibition, there's still alcohol. And 
the Barrel Gang decides they're going to stop by and enjoy it for themselves. But they kind of stuck out like a sore thumb because they had a flashy Ford V8 and they had fancy-ass suits while most of the locals were in, like, comfortable and affordable overalls and homemade clothing. And it probably didn't help, like, they weren't really making any friends by asking all the local girls to dance with them and then drinking all the whiskey. So... (laughs) So there's two policemen that notice like the local men are pissed and they're going to step in to avoid, you know, inevitable conflict and kind of just shoot these guys off. So most like most of the officials in the area and in the U.S. at the time, they had little training and they weren't provided any weapons. So they kind of just brought their own stuff from home. Um, the two police officers are Sheriff Charlie Maxwell and Under Sheriff Eugene Moore, who was a part-time sheriff that was likely not paid well and not really expecting much. Neither of them were really expecting much other than like breaking up a fight or arresting a couple drunks. So they really didn't care that anyone was drinking except for these three because they came in to cause trouble. And Sheriff Maxwell walked over to the car um, to kind of give him a warning, let him tell him to leave, whatever. But um, the guitar player said that um, the guitar player that was like playing at the dance says he remembers that he was just starting to play the song Way Down Yonder, which I keep. I don't, this obviously was not the song, but I just keep thinking way down yonder by the chat. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> he said he starts playing way down yonder, probably not the Alan Jackson one, but that's, that's when not. all hell breaks loose, <laughs> um, which I freaking love Alan Jackson. Love him. <laughs> but um, Clyde claims that he was in the car the whole time. He didn't drink which conflicts with multiple witness statements. So, again, making excuses. And the guitar player also recalls that the sheriff's body, quote, went flying back off the running board. And then, so Clyde had shot him at point blank. And this was Clyde. And then some bystander picks up the gun and starts shooting at Clyde and Hamilton. Right. Because they're like, what the fuck? Right. And then they sped off, but Clyde, who was likely drunk, even though he said he wasn't drinking, was going too fast. (laughs) He hit a culvert and flipped a car. Fuck. Yeah. So they got out of the car, started shooting at people, and they hit Eugene Moore, who did die shortly after. And Maxwell, the first guy that was shot... The only reason he didn't die is because there was a bootlegger who poured whiskey into the six bullet holes in him to sterilize. Holy shit, dude. Fast thinking. But, good God. And then Dyer, he's trying to, like, blend in here, even though he's got a fucking suit on and he showed up with these guys. Yeah. He tries to stick around and play it off like he wasn't out with the Barrel Gang. Then he got a ride back to Dallas where he was taking him for questioning after (laughs) So it didn't really work out for him. And then it's likely that he ratted out Hamilton and Clyde. So, like I said before, um, when Kumi asked Clyde about it, he denied having any part of it. But after a little bit of digging, he confessed that he had a part in the shooting, but he blamed it on Hamilton. 
So this, hmm. yeah, seems a little, a little fucked up. So this situation, like, fucks up all of Clyde's possibilities of ever being free again. Because he might have been able to say he was the driver in the butcher murder. But now mm-hmm. there's multiple people from Stringtown that watched him shoot uh, Sheriff Moore um, and shoot Maxwell, even though he didn't die. Right. And this is the third murder that Clyde is associated with in the last 11 months. And this is likely the reason Clyde didn't drink much, much after this, as now he's, like, always on edge, and he wanted be, to be prepared to outrun the cops. Hell yeah. But, like a gentleman, he doesn't leave Bonnie behind. So he sends Hamilton to pick her up, and then uh, the night before Hamilton picks her up, she had sworn up and down to Emma Parker that she was done with Clyde forever. This is the third time. Yeah, we all have that, X. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yikes. So, um, she's done with Clyde forever, but she immediately goes back to him. So, she snuck out of her mother's house at, like, 8 a.m. on August 6th to go with Hamilton, and Emma didn't know that she was leaving. So, Emma didn't know she was leaving with a member of Clyde's gang, mm-hmm. and this marks the day where Bonnie becomes like officially an active participating member of the barrel gang oh damn so now they're on the run they're on the run yes <laughs> damn i do apologize this was another long one but that is where i'm gonna stop oh ah, yeah yeah well i feel like there's a lot more to go like oh fuck yeah <laughs> did i even also- have to say Part three is also going to be a long one, but a good one. Like a I said, it's, but a goodie. Mm, aren't they all? Just kidding. <laughs> well, I don't uh, know. What to do. <laughs> um, they're like nonstop action, so this is all for fun. Well, mm. all for fun for them, but it. This could be taken out of context in so many ways. <laughs> Yikes. Mm. Well, well, if you think that I fucked up anywhere? Please let me know. Um, and you can do that or send me some suggestions for new topics as well or by me. emailing us. Uh, yeah, or Morgan. Uh, <laughs> by emailing us at podcast.spillthemilk at gmail.com. Or you can pretty please message us at spillthemilk podcast at or on wow on facebook um we're also spill the milk underscore podcast on instagram message us on either um share our content all that good stuff follow us yeah that's all i got <laughs> with that we will we see you next week bye, bye.